the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Alrighty then, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us as we get started at nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. It's a Thursday, and it's the second morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2023. like to start it that way each and every day. Hope you understand why. I've explained it a few different times, and I'm sure I'll explain it a few more as time goes by. Thank you, Robert Walgate, for stepping in for me yesterday. Uh, Rob Walgate uh, had his good friend and uh, partner with uh, uh, the Ohio Roundtable, the American Policy Roundtable, on uh, a little bit. I was able, during my uh, other duties, to uh, listen a little bit to the extraordinary discussion on abortion being uh, brought to the Ohio Constitution by uh far left groups it is an abomination and we're going to talk about it probably a lot over the course of the coming days but um rob and uh and uh uh, uh our good friend uh, dave zanotti did a terrific job on that yesterday the part that i was able to hear so thanks to them for stepping in and thanks to rob specifically for hosting and having dave on for a portion of that show uh it was a great conversation I spoke with Molly Smith yesterday, speaking of the abortion issue, and uh, Molly and I talked uh, a bit about the upcoming Bringing America Back to Life convention, which is uh, just, what, uh, nine days away. 
Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a week from tomorrow. That's what it is. So technically, it's eight days away. Um, the 10th and the 11th. And uh, that is going to be an extraordinary event as well. Hopefully, I will see you there. So we have a lot to talk about this morning. We've got a very uh, uh, packed show for you. Uh, some great conversation is to come coming up in about uh, an hour. We will talk to Dr. Everett Piper as we do about the culture wars. He is one of our leaders in that fight. Uh, culture wars we did not start, but that we will absolutely win and that we have to win if this society, if this civilization, if this great gift that we have been given, this constitutional republic, is to survive. We have to win it. So Dr. Piper will join us at 1035. Tom Wyan will join us. He is the executive director of the Republican Party of Medina County. There's another event coming up. At the same time, we're going to be celebrating faith and life at the Bringing America Back to Life conference uh, and convention on Saturday the 11th, which is day two. Um, there's going to be something happening in Wadsworth in Medina County, and uh, you probably know about it. We're going to let Tom give us the latest on it as a radical, extremist, leftist, LGBTQ groomer uh, tries to gather children for what he is calling a memorial, strangely, for shooting victims uh, in a nightclub. Uh, affecting the LGBTQ community, specifically because there was a shooting by a member of the LGBTQ uh, community, not that it matters, but uh, he's calling it a memorial and deciding to, um, you know, bring drag into it as well. Okay, that's interesting. It was going to happen at a bar and restaurant in Wadsworth. Then that bar and restaurant realized what they had just signed on for and said, nope, we're out. Uh, no other business in town will want anything to do with it. So this nut is going to have it apparently in a park uh, in Wadsworth. So Tom Wyan is going to tell us what's going on on uh, that Saturday. And God forbid, and I really mean that seriously, God forbid there is any kind of um, clash between protesters and counter-protesters. But I have a strong suspicion that that is exactly what could be happening. So we'll talk to Tom at 1035. And then Jack Windsor is going to join us at 1110. From the Ohio Press Network, Jack and I will discuss a host of things at the state level. He normally joins us on Wednesday, but I was obviously off yesterday, so Jack is with us at 1110. So there you got it. Dr. Piper, Tom Wyan, and then Jack Windsor all going to join me this morning. And, of course, the most important guest I could ever have on this program is when we open it up to calls, and that would be you, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will get you to us. We'll have an opening monologue in a moment, but first, let's start with our pledge, my friends. I know it means a lot to you. It's the only reason I continue to do this every day. I probably wouldn't if people didn't harass me about it and say, hey, where's our pledge? They want the pledge, you get the pledge. Stand, face a flag near you, put your hand on your heart and join us for this pledge. If you are a believer in selective prosecution by the Attorney General in charge of the Justice Department in the United States of America federal government, well, then you probably don't understand what this flag represents anyway. You may therefore consider yourself exempt from the request to pledge allegiance to it. You may take a knee instead next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, however... I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. 
So I want to start this. Well, you know, I kind of do, but now I kind of don't. I was going to say I wanted I wanted to start with uh, Merrick Garland. That was why I teased uh, the start of the pledge the way that I did, and uh, some of the testimony yesterday before um, a Senate committee. Um, he was grilled as he should be. Merrick Garland, the most political attorney general in the history of the office in the history of the Justice Department, in the history of the United States of America, the most politicized, and and in my estimation, I would probably add the word corrupt to that, the most politicized and corrupt attorney general in history was grilled by a host of GOP senators yesterday, and we're going to share some of that audio with you, and that's where I led with the pledge. But I want to, since we're doing the pledge, I don't know why, but I kind of associate it in at least a modest way with prayer. And that leads me to want to actually start with the Deion Sanders story. Deion Sanders uh, is a former uh, <laughs> former primetime. For those who don't know, primetime Deion Sanders, when he came out of Florida State University uh, and went into the NFL and was uh, became a Hall of Famer, was one of the greatest athletes, really, of his generation, because he also played professional baseball. Um, he was a two-sport star the way Bo Jackson was. At any rate, he was known for the gold bling and the name primetime. He wore more chains around his neck than Mr. T did, and he was just all about the money and the bling and, 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 and the ego and the, you know, the self-glorification, and it was quite hilarious, actually, and he was also a tremendously good player. But anyway, he, at any rate, in this iteration of his life, he has moved on to coaching. He started as a coach of a historically black college, uh, college, uh, for the last couple of years to kind of, uh, you know, get his feet wet a little bit. Did very, very well there at Jackson State, then was hired for a job at a Power Five conference, one of the biggest jobs in the country because of that that conference status, and that's Colorado. And, well, since he's been to Colorado, or at Colorado, and this was only announced a couple of months ago in uh, December, he is already in the middle of a controversy. Why? Anything to do with paying players? Anything to do with eligibility uh, issues with his players? Anything to do with it? No. He's too religious. Apparently, atheist groups are now going after him and filing complaints, sending letters, and threatening lawsuits at the University of Colorado and Deion Sanders because he's too religious. He needs to keep his little prayer mumbling to himself and stop doing that stuff publicly. He was hired as head coach, not pastor. They're angry that he is outspoken about his faith. And he really is. And it's one of the things I think people love about Deion Sanders. He is outspoken and unapologetic. Um, And I want to share some of this with you because it's extraordinarily important. He is very inspirational. He is very inspirational. What he is now and the way he... The way he has almost transformed from being the young, cocky superstar athlete, all about the money and the bling, to I am a coach and I'm trying to mold young men, and I am all about, not that he was not about Christ then, don't get me wrong. He may have been a very, very faithful person back then, too. I suspect he was. This isn't a this isn't a born-again type of thing. It does not appear to be a Johnny-come-lately and now suddenly. No, no, no. Just pointing out that he was like most young people. He was young and brash, and if he was a person of faith, it took a back seat publicly anyway to the, uh, to the presentation of prime time. That's what Dion was known as. 
But now as a, as a, you know, uh, a father figure, if you will, to players, because that's what coaches are, he is very, very much up front for, uh, his, his, or with his faith, I should say. So atheist groups now are livid. And, uh, Deion Sanders is being targeted, uh, like I said, by these groups to tone down and silence his faith because they don't like other people being inspired by people of faith. Um, he was mocked for saying that God sent him to become the head coach of Jackson State, but then left that job to go take the job at Colorado. And he responded by saying, I'm going wherever God uh, sends me. I have places to be and I have things to do, and it's not up to me, essentially, is what he said. And I'm going to follow whatever the calling that is. So now, uh, as we are just uh, you know a couple of months away, well, a few months away from the actual season, but spring ball is actually getting underway now, this month, uh, for all of the Division I schools. Now that we're about to have the season, suddenly here they come, trying to distract him, trying to stop him, trying to... Um, uh, generate contempt for him for daring to be religious and to be so out, out uh, outwardly and outspoken about it. They want him to stop preaching. One warned the university that telling him to do so is something that they are demanding before they file a lawsuit, but another group is saying, if you dare tell him he can't pray publicly and he can't speak of his faith in Jesus and he can't speak of his faith in Jesus as it pertains to his career as a coach, well, then you'll be infringing on his First Amendment rights. So you better not do that. So this is the battle. The Freedom From Religion Foundation sent the letter. Now, this is make sure you understand that. Freedom from religion, not freedom of religion, which, of course, is what the First Amendment gives us. Protections. Freedom of religion. The Freedom From Religion Foundation sent the university a letter. Uh, on January 24th, about his references to Christianity and said they were contacted by residents who were concerned that players were potentially being pressured to pray during team meetings. The letter pointed to one prayer in question, which read, quote, Lord, we thank you for this day. Father, for this opportunity as a group. Father, we thank you for the movement that God has put us in place to be uh, in, in place to be in charge of. We thank you for each player here, each coach, each family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The group called on the university to train Deion Sanders, excuse me, to train him and teach him about his constitutional duties under the Establishment Clause and to, quote, ensure that Sanders understands that he has been hired as a football coach and not a pastor, end quote. The letter urged the school to provide the group... uh, Uh, that the coach will, quote, not continue to proselytize to his players or subject them to coercive team prayers, end quote, according to the Christian uh, Post. The school would respond to the letter the following week, saying Sanders was very receptive to his training, came away with a better understanding of the University of Colorado's policies and the requirements of the Establishment Clause. The school said if a player had problems with prayers in the future, it would direct them to the Office of Institutional Equity and Compliance. But now here's... The reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is that the atheists and the haters of all things faithful in the Freedom From Religion Foundation are going to be really, really surprised and much dismayed, I would think, to learn that we've already settled this. We have already settled this. There was a 2022 Supreme Court case. That's right, last year. 
Kennedy versus Bremerton. We told you about this story. And the First Liberty Institute wrote a letter in response to the Freedom From Religion Foundation reminding that, quote, We write to correct the Freedom From Religion Foundation's misstatements regarding the requirements imposed by the First Amendment on public school employees' religious expression. The Supreme Court has repeatedly, and most recently, again, excuse me, has repeatedly, uh, and most recently last year, held that the public school employee may engage in religious expression and exercise thereof. Therefore, public universities like Colorado University may not target Coach Sanders or other members of the football staff for exercising their constitutional rights on campus, end quote. The Supreme Court ruled last year in favor, if you remember the case of uh, Coach Kennedy, um, a Washington State high school football coach who prayed with his team after games, dropped a knee, thanked God for, for keeping everybody healthy, for giving the, these kids the opportunity to compete and, and to better themselves and so forth, and, oh, we can't have that. All the way to the Supreme Court, and the court determined that, yes, the school violated the coach's First Amendment rights for trying to stop his prayers. Quote, Supreme Court precedent is clear. Public school employees may engage in religious expression and exercise. The Freedom From Religion Foundation uh, contended in the initial letter to Colorado that Kennedy versus Bremerton did not alter the law regarding these kinds of coercive prayer practices. Actually, they're right. It didn't alter the law. It confirmed the Constitution. What the Supreme Court did is it confirmed the reality of the First Amendment, that we absolutely have the right to practice our faith. Remember how the amendment reads. That... Congress shall establish no law respecting, or excuse me, shall make no law respecting the establishment of establishment of religion, or prohibiting the exercise thereof. And it's the latter part, of course, that applies here. They cannot prohibit him from uh, from uh, um, from uh, practicing his religion publicly or anywhere else. So this is just a great story and a reminder of what we fight for. And and I'm so glad we have somebody like Deion Sanders who can reach a lot of people, a lot of people, because he is so well-known. He has had such a tremendously successful career, and he is obviously very, very adept at dealing with young men. And this is something that young men, I think, young people in general, but young men in our society could get a hell of a lot more of. And uh, and that is room to, to practice and to grow their faith. Uh, we've got story after story after story after story of what seems like young men who have been raised with nothing to believe in whatsoever, uh, committing acts that are just simply uh, too too abhorrent to even discuss on a daily basis throughout this country. And the fact that you have a leader of young men like Deion Sanders wanting to teach and preach along with coach to help these young men become better people and not just better football players, that is something that I think should make everybody feel good. And the fact that it's ticking off atheists is just a little side effect, and I kind of like that, too. 925, I'll be back. So this um, brief follow-up here, this uh, Deion Sanders story is, is, is just the latest in what I know has to be driving the American left crazy. High profile, the highest profile Athletes, and in his case, former athlete and current coach, um, bringing their prayers, bringing their faith public. 
the left hates this. The Super Bowl was just held a couple of weeks ago. And at the Super Bowl, the two star players in that Super Bowl, the quarterbacks, who both happen to be African-American, shouldn't matter, but according to the media, everything does. When it comes to race, it always matters. But Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, the quarterbacks, both kneel on the field, both knelt on the field for God. They both did this, not for wokeness, before, during the National Anthem, but after. They kneel to praise God, because that is exactly who we drop to our knees for. Um, and they did so very, very publicly. They're both both openly men of Christian faith. Every time they are interviewed, they thank God. Every time they hey, they get in front of a microphone, somebody, you know, particularly after a victory, they thank God. They say, Jesus is responsible for who I am and where I am and what I am, both of these guys. And that was driving the, the left crazy during Super Bowl week. Jalen Hurts said, quote, I've matured and realized that God is everything. He's worthy of praise. You have to put him at the center of everything you do. And that's what I believe. Patrick Mahomes has had a very similar relationship with God. After the Super Bowl win, first off, I want to thank God. He healed my body this week. He gave me the strength to be out here. God is good, blessed, he tweeted in 2018 as another example. These people are wearing their faith on their sleeve. And it's driving the left nuts because so many young people actually do look up to professional athletes. Sometimes they look up to them for the wrong reasons. And sometimes they look up to them for the great reasons like this. And uh, that's why the left does not want any of these athletes or coaches or prominent people being so public with their faith because it actually might inspire a young generation to be faithful rather than to be godless like them. Them being the... uh, uh, the, uh, a Freedom From Religion Foundation and other atheist groups. All right, it's 9.30. We'll take a time out here. We'll come back. I will take phone calls after the news. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. We'll also examine the testimony of Merrick Garland yesterday in front of a Senate committee. He was roasted, and we'll hit that too. Always Right Radio is right back. Reason in the age of unreason. Always write radio with Bob France and the answer. Okay, nine thirty-seven. So I was uh, having it a very difficult time trying to get this audio to play in the last segment. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I was dancing for a little bit there because I wanted you to hear when I said Deion Sanders was um, inspiring in his in his faith. He's he's not just a person of faith. He's outward and vocal and outspoken about it because it's inspirational and it really helps a lot of people. Um, I was never a huge Dion fan, by the way, as when he was a player. When I was a kid in, in, in college myself and he was at Florida State and I was playing Division Three. I mean, I wow, you know, he was tremendous, but I was never a fan because I didn't like the bling and all that stuff that he was all about primetime that much. I was more into the humble superstars like Barry Sanders and the uh, humble superstars like Bo Jackson and, you know, Dion was never my cup of tea. But I will tell you what, his belief in God, in Jesus, and his public proselytizing, as they like to call it, um, is is inspirational to people, and it will be inspirational to young men. And if this is the way he's going to carry himself, I'm a huge fan now. Uh, and in fact, he has carried himself this way for a long time. Don't get me wrong, this isn't new, but it's just that in his new role as a head coach of a prominent program like the University of Colorado, 
this is just impressive to me, and it's inspirational to me. So I was trying to play this last segment. I couldn't do it. I'm going to try it again now. This is from his introductory press conference on December 4th. So it's, what, you know, four months uh, uh, when he was announced as the head coach. And listen to how he came on. The first things that he said to the University of Colorado fans, uh, students, players, faculty, everybody. This was his introduction to Colorado. Listen. I'm not lost for words. I'm just trying to seize the moment. Wow. Don't you ever tell me what God ain't. Don't you ever tell me his limits. Don't you ever tell me what you're up against and what you can't do. And all the persons in the world, God chose me. For that, I thank you. For that, I love him. For that, I magnify him. For that, I glorify him. For that, I praise him. For that, I owe him. Each and every day, I'm trying to please him. Congressman, university president, several elected board of regents, and I thank you, sir. And I thank you all for being here today. You have no idea the feelings that I have and the emotions that I have inside. Rick is a whole... All right, I don't know if you can hear that. Um, still having audio difficulties, I guess. Uh, it was very, very low. I tr- I'm trying my best here, but um, the praise, the public praise for God that um, Deion Sanders uh, gave in that speech, this is what has led to this uh, group, this uh, freedom, uh, two groups, Freedom From Religion Foundations and others, demanding that the University of Colorado stop him from preaching and praising uh, on the public stage because he was hired as a football coach, not as a pastor. And they want to try to silence him. And I'm going to, I was very blunt about this before, and I'll be blunt about it right now. The reality is they want to silence people like Deion Sanders because they know that Faith and belief in God is the literal enemy, the literal enemy of the left-wing, woke culture that is being built. Make no mistake about it. The woke culture that they are pushing on kids is, is almost impervious to anything. It's impervious to arguments of reason and common sense it's impervious to arguments of science when they try to push this this uh trans hey men can get pregnant nonsense and you can be whatever you want to be you can be neither man nor woman female nor male and all this other crap they 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 they, the woke the wokeness expressed there literally is impervious to science and scientific explanation But the one thing that it may not be impervious to, the one thing that wokeness, which leads to division and hatred and anger and chaos, the one thing that it cannot really, really defeat is faith. And for young people to be taught faith by people who have influence over them, people like Deion Sanders, is just dangerous for them. It is absolutely dangerous for those who are trying to st- who are trying to continue the the woke um, uh, destruction, if you will, of our of our culture, our society, our civilization, uh, our norms, our values, uh, everything that we hold dear, all of it, our morality. That is the one thing that I think is impervious, or that the wokeness is not impervious to his faith. They know it's a danger, and that's why they're trying everything they can to stop it. Uh, real quick, let's get a couple of calls on this before I get into Merrick Arlen. Lenny is in uh, Highland Heights. Hi, Lenny. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Hello, Bob. I 
think you mistakenly read the First Amendment when you said Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion. It says an establishment of religion. And in that sentence, establishment is not a verb, it's a noun. And the, the, the founders saw all kinds of religious refugees from Europe, French Huguenots, Catholics down in Maryland, uh, Puritans, and so on. And the, the anti-religious people have very cleverly continually labeled it the Establishment Clause as though establishment were a verb, the act of establishing. And what it really is talking about is Congress shall make no, make no law respecting any establishment of religion. That is the Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, the whatever church. And I think it's a critical distinction, and you've got to stop talking about the establishment of religion because it, it gives you a completely different reading of the First Amendment when you read it as we don't want to favor any particular denomination or religion. Well, um, I, I don't see it as being as uh, as distinct as you do in terms of a difference. I think the message is the same regardless of how you read that, because you're right. No. It does mean that we, the founders, we do not uh, allow for, or we, you know, this Constitution will not allow for, as you say, the favoring of one religion over another, which I think is almost synonymous, synonymous with the establishment of a religion of one kind or another. We don't favor one over another, nor do we prohibit the, the free exercise thereof. So, in other words, whether it's an older, established religion... Or whether it's a new religion, we you know we are not going to favor one over another, as you say, an establishment of religion, or the establishment, the creation of a new religion. We're not going to tell you that 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 yours is better than another, or yours is inferior to another. Nor will we stop you from practicing it. And I think uh, so. I think what you're saying is not inaccurate at all. I don't think the the distinction is as stark as as you're as you're pointing out. I think it's. I think I think everybody understands what what the founders intended there is. We're not going to get in the way of people's practicing of religion, and we're not going to tell them they must push one over another. I don't think everybody understands it because inevitably the anti-religionists talk about the establishment clause, not the clause that talks about respecting an establishment. And it's it's a very clever word game where they have they have modified what people think about what the First Amendment really means. Well, uh, and I appreciate that, Lenny. Thank you so much for your thoughts on it. Um, you know, and when people talk about you know, it's because when they use the word "the" when they talk about the establishment clause, it's to identify the establishment clause in the First Amendment. If they say an establishment clause, people would say, "What do you mean?" An indicates um, a non-specific clause. An establishment clause. It's like saying, um, um, I'm trying to think of an example here, um, and I may not be able to do it off the top of my head, but when you do say an, you are not being very specific, so you could be talking about one or a multiple, you know, multiple things. You know, which one of the things are you talking about when you say an? It's like, I'm going to go get an apple. Which apple are you going to get? I don't know, one of those. Um, to be specific and say the apple, well, there's one specific apple I'm targeting. And again, that's a very strange and goofy example, but you understand when you say the Establishment Clause, people now know you're absolutely talking about the First Amendment, uh, not establishment of something else, but you're talking about the Establishment, not an Establishment Clause. So, I, like I said, I you know, there are, there are semantics. Sometimes they're more severe than others, and in my opinion, I don't think it's... Um, 
confusing to people when they read the First Amendment. I mean, I, I, I'm not confused by it. Congress shall make no law establishing an establishment of uh, religion or the establishment of religion either way or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. I think it is very, very clear, regardless, regardless of which of those words you use. Congress shall not establish one. Congress shall not favor one. And uh, Congress shall also not stand in the way of you practicing yours, whichever one it is. So thank you, Lenny. God bless. Appreciate that. Uh, let's uh, talk to Dan in Middleburg Heights. Hi, Dan. Go ahead, sir. Thank you for taking my call. And my I've been saying this for years. The gentleman you just had before me is exactly correct because Anne makes it a noun, establishment a noun, not a verb. Back in when they had the 13 colonies, when they wrote the Constitution, Bob, if you lived in Virginia, you were, a con- I believe, a Congregationalist Church. For you to work on your station, you'd have to join the Congregationalist Church of Virginia before you could work. I'm kind of simplifying that that's what was happening in all 13 states. Every one of them had a different church that you had to join, whether you believe it or not, you were taxed on it. That's why they put an in and not the. Now going to our, but, our but, time But what right difference now, does it make in the people's understanding? They that don't the founders... understand it. These people now, hey, they Dan, don't hey, understand Dan, the hey, Dan. Hey, Dan, don't yell at You're me. You're an English teacher. Hey, Dan, don't <laughs> yell at me, or we're going to have to end the phone call. You are I, getting very, very, you. very aggressive, and I, I'm, I trying to, I'm trying to ex, ex, understand yeah. this and explain this to people. Well, I'm trying to explain it, too. Okay. Thank you. Well, I understand. But you do, I, you're, doing, you're doing it in a way that's not productive to the conversation. So okay. what I'm trying to All ask right. is, do you think, though, that the difference in that word before establishment uh, makes it confusing for people, generally people, to understand. In other words, do you think that changing it from and to the when people speak it, when people refer to it, do you think it means, uh, do you think that it, that it does not mean that the uh, uh, people do not have the right to practice whatever religion they wish without favoritism from Congress? Cause yeah, I don't because think the, 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 the guys you were talking about that are the atheists, yeah. they, I, I'm just making this up, but they could have the atheist church, okay, and the, Congre- uh, the, the founders are saying the atheists also are eliminated. You can't say, I'm an atheist, therefore everyone else can't have what they believe in God. So this way, it, elimin- it eliminates, every- everybody has their own way of thinking. That's why it's an and not the. Um, I- I'm, still, I'm still a little confused, though, as to um, uh, how, how a person, though, you, when they're, you just ask, what does the First Amendment say about religion? I, I mean, and maybe I'm being optimistic here and I'm giving too much um, credit to people. But, but you have a right I, to do that. Yeah, yeah and, and, and maybe I am, but I think if you ask, you know, the average person, and I'm not talking about the, sure. you know, the people who have never never studied or never been, uh, you know, gone to school, but, but anybody who is under even has a rudimentary understanding of the Constitution, or at least the Bill of Rights, or at least the First Amendment, if you say, what does it say about religion? I think they would say that uh, you don't have to have religion, and you they can't stop you from having a religion. I think it's a very general generic way of saying it that that's what most people would say that the the government does not make you do religion but it doesn't stop you from from practicing religion let me just and i think that's okay com- isn't it one more comment if okay. you went to the supreme court like i was just listening on the uh on, on the loans to the students yeah if you went to the supreme court and you were and i was a solicitor general those justices would be asking me the question the difference between the and 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 it, because if I was the solicitor general saying what you're saying, that it, it, 
it's okay that we what I understand V is those judges there that are so precise are going to talk about what I'm just talking about V and N, and that's what Lenny was talking about the same way. You have okay. to be really specific when you get into the Constitution in these matters. Okay, well, and Dan, thanks so much for the call. I appreciate that, and thanks for uh, for bringing it back to a discussion discussion level as well. Uh, and, and to both you and Lenny, here's here's the thing. I think if uh, I or we were going to be going to the Supreme Court to have a discussion about this, you'd probably be right. And we'd have to be very specific about that language and what it means or how it can be interpreted. I think for the layman, though, and for the purposes of what we are talking about, I don't think it matters. For the layman, for you and for me and for listeners and callers and, and columnists and everything else to talk about it, if you explain that the First Amendment does not allow for the Congress to establish a religion, which would be in the the vernacular, or that the Congress may not uh, uh, make a law respecting an establishment of religion, in other words, an existing religion, um, and it doesn't stop the free exercise thereof. I I literally think we're talking about, um, you know, microbes of difference. Nobody, Nobody cares. They all understand it to mean the same thing. Congress can't regulate your religion. Can we say that as a as a as a paraphrase of the First Amendment? Because that's what we do. We paraphrase all of our laws. We talk about you know abortion laws. We talk about um, uh, you know any, any laws. You know we paraphrase them rather than reading the the, the word for word and syllable for syllable from every single uh, part of the law of the uh, revised code or from the Constitution. A paraphrase would be. For the First Amendment, what does it say about religion? What would a layman say? That the government, i.e. Congress, they would say, the government cannot regulate your religion. They can't make you have a religion. They can't, they can't make you choose one religion over another. They can't make you be religious at all. And they also can't stop you from being religious. They cannot stop you from the free exercise thereof. That's the thing. I think if we just put it all into into a paraphrase form, what does the First Amendment say? It says the government can't regulate your religion, make you have a religion, or stop you from having a religion. Ultimately, that's what it says. And so whether you use an or the in that context, I, I really think we're talking about the same thing here. Now, you, you and I go to the Supreme Court to discuss this. I'll be sure to use the correct, uh, 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 mod- or not modifier, but uh, article. I'll use an instead of the. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate that. 953, right back. Okay, 957. So I promised you a little bit of the um, uh, Merrick Garland, the most politicized and most, I think, corrupt attorney general in the history of the Department of Justice had to answer some questions from some conservative Republicans in the Senate yesterday, including Senator Ted Cruz, who demanded to know why it is that the DOJ ignored and continues to ignore threats against Supreme Court justices by the radicals who are angry that they repealed Roe versus Wade by way of the Dobbs decision, the ones who were threatening to kill these justices. Listen. They sent 70 United States Marshals. Let me try again. Has the Department of Justice brought even a single case under this statute? It's a yes-no question. It's not a give a speech on the other things you did. 
the job of the United States Marshals is to defend the lives. So the, of the answer is no. Is to defend the lives of the justices, and that's their number one priority. They have. Why are you unwilling to say no? The answer is no. You know it's no. I know it's no. Everyone in this in this hearing room knows it's no. You're not willing to answer a question. Have you brought a case under this statute? Yes or no? As far as I know, we haven't. And what we have done is defended the lives of the justices with so the 70 decide, U.S. Marshals. How do you decide which criminal statutes the, the DOJ enforces and which one it doesn't? The statute that Ted Cruz is talking about is USC 1507. Whoever with the intent of influencing any judge, juror, witness, or court all, we've read this to you before, uh, in the discharge of his duty, pickets or parades in or near a building or residence occupied or used by a judge, juror, or witness shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than one year or both. In other words, all of these radical uh, leftists who went outside of Brett Kavanaugh's home to try to intimidate him in direct violation of the law, how many of them were charged? How many of them were prosecuted? And and Merrick Garland would not answer. And the reason he would not answer is because the answer is zero. They didn't arrest them. They didn't prosecute them. They didn't charge them. They did nothing, which is exactly the point Senator Cruz was making. I've got a lot more on that hearing yesterday because a lot more um, GOP senators took bites out of Merrick Garland yesterday, which is long overdue. Guy's got to be exposed. This DOJ's got to be exposed. Dr. Everett Piper will join us next right here on Always Right Radio AM 1420. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420. The answer. Okay. Eight minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. I think we've got all of the technical gremlins uh, out of the system now. Sorry about some of the uh, audio glitches that we had. We had a little bit of a, a voiceover or a, uh, a bleed over, I should say, onto the airwaves uh, during the... Uh, uh, during the news break there. But I think we got everything worked out now, so we should be good to go. Thanks for being with us as we start hour number two on this Thursday. It's the, uh, 20, or excuse me, it is the second day of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2023. And uh, it's time to fight the culture war. And I don't go to battle without a general, and a general that I trust to lead our troops every Thursday is Dr. Everett Piper, who joins us now. Dr. Piper is a university pre- former university president, beg pardon, he is a best-selling author. He's a weekly columnist with the Washington Times. He is, of course, a podcast host as well. His podcast and radio program is called The Rebellion. Look for it wherever you get podcasts. And he is a native of Oklahoma, where he is also a commissioner, a county commissioner in Oklahoma. Uh, Dr. Piper, good to have you back. How are you? Okay, I'm not here. I'm not here. Hi. There he is. Can you hear me now? I, think I thought we're the good. Grim, I thought the gremlins were gone. Maybe there's still a couple in there uh, running around. Um, Dr. Piper, good to have you. So I, I saved the Oklahoma part for the last because uh, that's how we're going to start. What's going on in what you like to call the reddest of red states, and why are you and others engaged in populist puffery? <laughs> it's just crazy talk. <laughs> you know that. I, I repeatedly go back to this argument, reddest of red state, and in case anybody missed it in previous shows, I make that argument because I suppose technically it's true, because we haven't had one county go blue in five successive presidential elections. Okay, so not even the counties in Oklahoma that 
have large cities in them, like Tulsa or Oklahoma City. Those counties have voted red in presidential elections. So if you look at Oklahoma, it's a sea of red. And um, therefore, I keep saying it's the reddest of red states. Well, you would assume that if you've got a, a state that is so conservative that it always votes red, it always votes Republican, you would assume that you would have conservative policies coming out of that state, right? I would think well, so. wrong. You, wrong. And the other analogy I use often on your show, Bob, uh, and in my writing, is that there, the old analogy or the metaphor of the canary in the coal mine, and we know where that comes from. Back in the old days, they would actually take a live canary down into the coal mines to do what? To test the air and to see if there was any noxious gases that could actually kill people. And if the canary keeled over, you knew you needed to get out of the coal mine because you were going to be next. Well, is it possible that Oklahoma is that canary in the coal mine when you look at American culture? So that's the context for my exasperation when I look at Republican leaders in Oklahoma who can't get their head straight when it comes to social issues. Oh, they'll vote on conservative economic issues, but when it comes to social issues like a bill that would prohibit drag queens from grooming your children on public uh, sidewalks, public streets, and in public parks, We've got a Republican legislator, Judd Strom, who lives about three miles from me, who is voting against that bill. He won't even allow it out of the committee because he thinks it's populist puffery. And his argument is, well, if we pass the bill, we might be making it illegal for powder puff football games at our junior highs and high schools. And we should allow parents to make a decision on their own as to where they take their children, where they don't. And this is all just populist puffery after all. And therefore, I'm not voting for it. That's his argument. And, you know, I pick it apart and I try to I try to educate people on on why every aspect of his argument in voting against this drag queen bill is wrong. Well, you did a remarkable job of that uh, point by point, And I want to do it, too, uh, or, you know, or at least let you let you do the uh, abbreviated version of it here on the radio. For those who don't know powder puff football, you know, in, in, I don't know, most schools have something like this. It's just a fun role reversal thing where the girl cheerleaders put on the football uniforms and play touch football against one another or flag football. And then the boys from the football team put on the cheerleaders outfits and cheer for them. It's just a role reversal to me, not dissimilar to Halloween. It's a fun thing it is not a promotion of cross-dressing or a promotion of drag to do that and what he is trying to do here is of course try to use something absurd like this uh to push back against the real danger of cross-dressing uh you know grown men in in uh you know in sexualized clothing doing sexualized dances in front of children the idea that this would endanger something fun like the football experience like that is just it's just lunacy but um take it take it point by point as you did in your piece Okay, so again, what this legislation does, it's House Bill 2186, and it says it shall be unlawful for any person to engage in an adult cabaret performance which is harmful to minors or to organize such a performance where the viewing of these uh, exhibitors uh, is done on public property or where a minor could view the performance. And then they define what's an adult cabaret excuse me, performance. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a performance that involves Topless dancers, exotic dancers, strippers, or drag queen performers. And we shouldn't be doing this in front of minors. That's all the bill says. Okay? In public, in public, we shouldn't do this in front of minors. Okay? Judge Strom says that he has a problem with this because of the, uh, his first objection is the, uh, is the, um, um, powder puff. The powder puff. Okay. So 
let's just play the, the progressive angle here a bit. Every progressive listening to me, every feminist listening to me right now would agree with what I'm going to say. That's cultural appropriation. To send a bunch of 15-year-old boys out onto a football field dressed like girls is cultural appropriation. So if you want to be progressive, Mr. Strom, you ought to be standing against this along with all of your Me Too advocates who are wearing their pink hats. Because you shouldn't ever be supporting something that culturally appropriates something that isn't your own. So he is contradicting himself there and trying to be progressive by referring to powder puff football. I think we should always try to use their language against them when they're self-contradictory. And this is a case where he is. Uh, The feminists ought to be offended by what he just said, because he's arguing for cultural appropriation on their terms rather than against it. And then this argument that parents have the right to take their children to whatever event they want to take them to. Well, really? Does a father have the legal right to take his son to a gentleman's club uh, if if the kid's only five years old? Uh, isn't that called something? Child endangerment? Uh, co- co- contributing to the delinquency of a minor? We've got laws against that. How about a bunch of ladies on their ladies' night out taking an eight-year-old girl to a Chip and Dale's performance? Again, most rational people would say, no, that's against the law for a reason, because you're harming a minor in doing so. You're demonstrating as an adult you don't have any decent judgment on how to relate to children. And then this populist puffery, this is the same guy, this legislator is arguing, and he said this on a radio show, that he thinks the job of the House, the legislative branch called the House of Representatives, is to always vote with the majority. He should never contradict the majority. And then he turns around and he says that this piece is populism. Does he not understand what populism is? No, he doesn't, <laughs> Populism clearly. is going with the popular vote. And he is contradicting himself there, too. So the bottom line is we've got legislators who don't understand what conservatism means, and they're not conservative even though they wear the label of Republican. You've got to do a better job when you go to the voting booth of actually vetting the candidates to see whether or not they truly believe in conserving what's true and real and right rather than going down this path of progressivism. So, Dr. Piper, um, just to briefly follow up on this, you know, the whole issue here with this is, is you know, the drag thing. Um, because we there were already rules against taking 12-year-old boys to strip clubs with their dads. You can't, can't do it. You can't take them to bars either. It's 21 and over. The only place where children have been allowed to be, uh, you know, um, uh, a part of or be in the audience of this type of thing, you know, this uh, this type of, you know, cabaret performances or strip performances or whatever is with the drag shows, the quote-unquote family-friendly, all-ages drag shows. So the question becomes, what's wrong with drag? And this is what their argument is. This is this is not something that, you know, people should be concerned about. This isn't harming children. Well, I I had a tweet this morning that I responded to. I just want to get your you to you you to speak on. Um, there was a tweet uh, by the um, Hodge twins, who are terrific conservatives, um, who tweeted a video of a of a drag performance of a drag queen in lingerie, uh, bare reared with only thongs and so forth, doing flips and somersaults and splits and it, it, provocative sexual dances and performances in front of a room full of children. And they wrote, quote, this blank ain't normal. Stop trying to make it normal for kids to watch. And my response to that was, of course it's not normal. That's why they do it. This is called normalizing it. Normalizing it is part of the grooming process. 
Why is this so hard for people to understand? Moreover, why is it so hard for parents to understand that what they're doing here isn't entertaining your children? It is getting inside of their preformative minds and trying to teach them that this is normal behavior. When you can teach them that sexualization at this like this is normal, then you are you are halfway home in the grooming process to try to bring these children into that lifestyle. I think the answer to your question is the frog in the kettle analogy. That we as a culture have been in boiling water in terms of immorality and sexual nihilism and all of this stuff. We've been in the boiling water. The water has been boiling for some time to the point as the temperature has increased, we don't even recognize it anymore because everything has become normalized and therefore, therefore there is no deviancy any longer. So the culture is in, is incapable of recognizing deviancy because we've dumbed down the definition of deviancy. In fact, I think it was a Democrat politician years ago who actually said that's what we are doing. We're dumbing down deviancy to the point where it's a meaningless term. We're the frog in the kettle. The temperature is getting turned up with every new story, every new aberration, every new deviation from what's norm to the point where we can't define a woman, we can't define a man, we don't know what children are or aren't any longer, we can't define marriage, we can't define biological facts any longer, we don't even know what pronouns to use now. So why can't culture actually look at this and say, that's wrong? Because we've been brainwashed for decades to believe that nothing is wrong, and we've even bought the lie in the church because of tolerance and affirmation. You have to tolerate everything now. You can't call anything wrong, even within the walls of the church, because to do so is somehow unloving. When the real loving thing to do would be to stand in the way of this train wreck and say, this isn't going to end well. Get off the train. That's what a loving person would do rather than just waving at it as it goes rushing by. That's very well said, uh, Dr. Piper, and uh, and this is so important. And you know what I go back to here as we take our break, and we'll come back, and we've got one more topic to talk about. I come back to uh, what um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders said in that State of the Union Address rebuttal. This is a culture where we did not start. We did not pick it. We did not choose it. We do not want it, but we must fight it because they started it. And um, uh, at stake is, is not pride uh it's it, the victory or the defeat here is going to be our culture the victory uh or defeat here is going to be in our children in our future it is literally that important so we didn't start this but we have to win this um and uh and that's why we continue to do what we do uh dr everett piper will continue with us right after this sunny in fourteen twenty. the answer Okay, 1023 now. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer, with our good friend, Dr. Everett Piper. Let's pivot away from the uh, the drag and cabaret uh, puffery. <laughs> I just keep, I keep mocking it. Um, in Oklahoma. <clears throat> and that's obviously a very important bill, and, and I'm glad that it is uh, going to be passed by a very, very red state. But it is very interesting to focus on the uh, quote-unquote conservative Republican who opposed it for populist purposes. But, Dr. Piper, let's move on now. And let's talk about this. Uh, and I'm glad you sent this to me. I didn't see it. Uh, it's a pretty good summation of where we are now this week. For those who don't know, Christopher Ray, the FBI director, joins the FBI as a body and the Department of Energy as declaring that the Wuhan flu was indeed from a Wuhan lab, not from a bowl of bat soup or some other nonsense story a few miles down the road from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Um, and the damage that was done to this globe and to this country, um, you know, that, that we have all endured we're we're starting to get a real idea of where it came from now so tony perkins tweeted um 
the following. Will Americans trust the federal government after its mishandling of COVID-19? And then with the X, meaning the cancel, masks work. X, the vaccine will prevent the spread. X, natural immunity is not effective. X, boosters are needed. X, COVID-19 did not come from a lab in China. X, where will they mislead us next? And Dr. Piper? You uh, had a pretty interesting response to that. They have plenty of places they can mislead us X, and we're watching it uh, mislead us next, and we're watching some of these every single day. Yeah, I just responded, and I agree with Tony uh, (laughs) on every one of those points. And you and I and a host of others have been warning of this for months, years, actually. We've been saying, wait a second. If we're going to be pro-science, let's look at the data. Let's stop maligning people and canceling people and silencing people just because you don't like their message. Quit shooting the messenger and attend to the message. That's what a logical, rational person would do, regardless of where you are politically. And we've been saying, wait a second, what's the evidence on masks? What's the evidence on vaccines? What's the evidence on natural immunity and boosters? And what's the evidence as to where this thing started? And we were silenced to the point where we were actually taken off of social media for even asking a good question. Well, I I go further. I mean, yeah, and by the way, other stuff that we've been told, women aren't real, Marxism is good, children should be groomed, there's nothing wrong with that. We're all descendants of monkeys, and all, by the way, the earth is our God, and every time we hear anything about climate change, then we just need to accept it as fact, even though we know that the climate change alarmists have been cooking their books for years. I mean, there's a host of stuff beyond COVID where we know we've been lied to, And we have to rise up and say so and say, wait a second, we want to be pro-science. We want to be pro-rational. We don't want to silence people that disagree with us. We just want to have a robust exchange of ideas, what used to be called a good debate. And we want truth to win at the end of that discussion, that debate, because that is the only thing that will give us a free society is the ability to pursue that truth because it's real. It's not a matter of your feelings. Like Shapiro says, the facts don't care about your feelings. Set your feelings aside. Let's figure out what's right and just and real and true, and we'll all be better for it. Why is that a political issue, and why has the left silenced us for making that argument? Well, you know, there's there's such an important point that you just made or a word that you brought up in the point that you just made, and that word is, of course, truth. Um, I think so much of this can be boiled down to this this new age, modern uh, convention that truth is malleable, that there is my truth and there is your truth. There is not the truth. This is my truth, and I'm speaking it. This is my truth, and you must respect it. Well, there cannot be my truth. If it's your truth, it's your opinion. If it's your truth, and, and, and I have my truth, then these are our opinions. There is the truth, which is not malleable, which is not something that is open for interpretation. And that's part of the problem here, isn't it? Is, is that people just... They take you know, what you just said is also true from Ben Shapiro. Facts do not care about your feelings. Truth is something that is not open to the interpretation of the observer or the or the participant in one of these debates. Uh, exactly. In fact, the subtitle of my book, Not a Daycare, is the devastating consequence of abandoning truth. And I talk about this in that book. I talk about it all the time. And the irony is when somebody says, well, it's my truth, the the logical question is, is that true? In other words, is it true that nothing is true? 
I mean, that's their claim. They're essentially saying, I know that nothing can be known. I'm sure that nothing is sure. I'm absolutely confident there are no absolutes. And I can't tolerate your intolerance because you're intolerant. It's a self-refuting claim at every turn. These people actually have the audacity to say it's true that nothing is true. And then when we turn around and ask with a (laughs) smile on our face, well, is that true? They don't know how to respond because they're sawing off the very branch upon which they sit. It's like watching a dog chase its tail. It's funny, but it's also sad. And I've had to deal with this nonsense, literal nonsense, in the academy my entire career because smart people have actually been peddling this problem for decades. But it's coming home to roost, as Barack Obama's pastor said. The chickens are coming home to roost. It's the one thing he said that I agree with. Yeah, ideas always have consequences. And when you say there is no such thing as truth, you're making a truth claim while you say it, but you're, you're essentially setting up a system of power rather than one that is grounded in the principles that are enduring. Because any time any person gets more power than you, their truth, i.e. their opinion, their feelings, their agenda, is going to trump the facts, and you lose. You lose your freedom as the result. Last question for you, Dr. Piper, here, because i only got about 30 seconds, but I'm going to tie the two topics together here and go back to truth and go back to the story that you told about uh, uh, the, the bill. And uh, what was the name, uh, uh, Mr. Strom? Um, has yeah, anybody yeah. has anybody confronted him since he made his uh, his populist puffery statements and asked him about the truth, as you and I are describing it right now, about how it is that he can make these uh, ridiculous arguments about parents, not, you know, being allowed to take their kids wherever they want, and this being uh, uh, you know destroying their privacy and so on and so forth. Has anybody brought this truth to him, and how did he respond? Uh, I have not spoken to him face-to-face. Uh, I've dealt with this on the radio and on paper in the Washington Times. I know that a lot of people follow me in this area, and they probably brought this to his attention. I'd like to believe no, no, that he no media, that... No media interaction, so you're aware of, though? No reporters or anybody else or even fellow members of the legislation? Not that I'm aware okay. I'm, I'm just curious because I would love to know how people do this because this will help us explore this idea of truth and this idea of my truth, your truth, and so forth. How people can just make things up and then call it true and uh, and get away with it. This kind of thing has to be addressed, and uh, I hope that some curious members yep. of the media or somebody will indeed confront him with that so we can explore that further. Dr. Everett Piper, terrific right. stuff on all counts as always. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Blessings. Bye-bye. Do- blessings to you, sir. Dr. Everett Piper joining us. It's 1030. And that means time for a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and talk about something closer to home than Oklahoma, Medina County, Wadsworth. What's going to happen next Saturday on March 11th? We've been telling you about this. It's a freak show on display, uh, and it's got some evil intent. And we're going to talk about that with uh, the executive director of the Republican Party, Medina County, Mr. Tom Wyant. He'll be joining us next day on 1420 The Answer. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Okay, onward now at 1038. Appreciate you being with us. A little bit of a longer break than we like there, but we came out a little bit late at the uh, conversation with Dr. Piper, so we'll catch up soon enough. Thanks for being here. So I want to uh, talk a little bit about what's happening on Saturday. Not this Saturday, but uh, the following Saturday on March 11th. The reason not why, of course, is um, I am uh, the MC for bring. Oh, I'm kidding. Bringing America Back to Life is Friday and Saturday next week, and I am emceeing that very, very important pro-life event. But also on Saturday is something that we've been talking about in Medina 
uh, specifically in uh, Medina County, rather, and specifically in Wadsworth, and there's going to be a freak show of sorts. And I'm sorry, I can't really call it anything else. When you try to bring a drag queen of the macabre to a quote-unquote memorial to raise funds for shooting victims in a state 2,000 miles away and something that happened months ago, you are not serious. You are presenting a freak show for the purpose of creating controversy and drawing attention to yourself. And that's exactly what this individual named Aaron Reed in Wadsworth was doing. He first wanted to have this show with children being read to by the drag queen of the macabre, which is just all kinds of repugnant, at a bar and restaurant in uh, in Wadsworth, which originally gr- agreed to hold it. Then, when they saw the backlash, pulled out. No other business in town will touch it. So now it's going to have to be held in an open public space on Saturday, if it is held at all. So joining us now to talk about what's going on and what the latest is there in Wadsworth and in Medina County is the executive chairman of the Republican Party of Medina County, Tom Wyant. Tom, good to have you back. How are you, my friend? Good, Bob. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm uh, I'm I'm a little bit, little bit frustrated that I can't be there on Saturday the 11th because I kind of want to watch it all play out. But then again, I might not want to see what ta- what takes place in Wadsworth on the 11th. What is the latest as uh, as you understand it from the last? It's been what three weeks or so, I think, since we first spoke about this. Um, what is uh, what is the latest plan with respect to the city of Wadsworth and uh, granting permits for this uh, uh, for this demonstration? Yeah, Bob, this isn't uh, this isn't when Ringling Brothers came into town with with the traditional freak show with you know with the bearded lady or uh, well, know, that's a no, that's a thing. Two headed man. Um, that, that, that was that was for entertainment purposes. This I think this has a little, a little different mission. <laughs> And uh, you know a lot. A lot has gone on, um, and, and you know th- this is this isn't the entertainment class. This is the uh, disrupt our cultural class that is putting on this uh, this degenerate degenerative show. Um, so uh, obviously, you said earlier in the show that uh, you know the business once they got uh, the backlash, they pulled the plug on this. So uh, then the organizer then went to the city, applied for some public permits to do it couple locations downtown and then in a city park that's about six blocks away from downtown um as of today um there is still no permit granted um but um and i know some public records requests can confirm this um i know that the uh the 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 safety service forces um in wadsworth were told to uh you know all all requested days off were canceled that everyone would be working you know all the things to that effect and that, that includes the fire department the EMS as well as the police so um i i know some folks are going to get some public records requests on that just to kind of verify mm-hmm. so uh, the tea leaves are pointing to that they're going to grant you know this permit for this um you know uh, grooming fest, you know, uh, a, a guy in some in some underwear reading stories to kids. Um, you know, if, if if it was a regular freak show and they want to do it behind closed doors, more power to them. Your First Amendment applies to everyone if you like it or not. But um, 
if if this was I think Dr. Well, I think, we, I think we need to be careful about our language there, too, because they would say, well, we tried to do it behind closed doors inside the bar, but you guys complained about it. So it's not okay to do this behind closed doors at all if it involves children. Um, if they want to do this behind closed doors with 18 and over, I agree with you. Let them do their thing. I mean, that's, that's the nature of freedom. Uh, but bringing kids into it is where, whether it's in the open or it's behind closed doors, right, this is, this is what our, 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 our real complaint is here. Right, and Dr. Piper said it best in, you know, in your last segment. Um, you're not taking an eight, eight-year-old girl to a Chippendale show. Right. Um, we, we don't allow it. Um, so there's no reason uh, for, to have children at an event like this as well. Um, it, it's just not appropriate. So, so there was a council meeting last week um, where uh, Mr. Reed, you know, the organizer, was able to speak. Now, there was probably around 50 people in the room for, you know, for a Wadsworth council meeting. That's probably about... 49 more people than normal. Um, so he had uh, him and his wife and then a, a, um, an organizer um, who actually turned out to be the head of the Cleveland Antifa in the room with him. And then so that that was the pro side of, um, you know, his presentation. Everyone else in the room, actually, most of them got up and spoke and was in one way or another opposed uh, directly to council on the record um, you know, to what was going on, and um, including uh, a member of the LG, and she made it very clear that she was a member of the LGB community, a lesbian woman that lives in Wadsworth who was 100% opposed to grooming children uh, in the drag format, and um, and then he goes and proceeds to call her a bigot. Um, of course. So, so, so of course. So this this guy's totally off the rails. Um, so. So here we are. You know, we have uh, all hands but, on deck for safety forces. Um, let, let me get uh, a little more background to this, Tom, before we talk more about the, uh, you know, the protections and, and, and what the potential concerns are for uh, uh, for next Saturday. Um, first of all, uh, the LGB uh, uh, community is a great community. That's the Let's Go Brandon community, just to, just to make sure everybody <laughs> understands. That's that's the only LGB, LGB uh, community here that I'm, uh, that I'm really in, in super support of because the LGBTQ community is the one that is trying to bring children in to groom them. That's what this is a big part of. So what I want to do here is the, 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 the speech that he gave or the statement that he made or whatever you want to call it at that meeting, I can't play. I have it. But I can't play it because he uses profanity in it, so I will read it without the profanity. So people can know exactly when we say this is a freak show and it's being hosted or conducted or put on by somebody who is doing nothing but trying to cause trouble and chaos, and he's trying to paint this as a memorial to try to raise funds for victims' families, which is just garbage. You, you can hear um, or see it or at least listen to my version of it as I read this to you, the rage and the hatred and the disgust in his voice for anybody who doesn't celebrate his community. Uh, and here's what he said. Um, to talk on it, and on my screen just went uh, blank. Where did that? I had his, I had every word that he uh, that he said um, in front of me. Hold on a second. I've just got to pull this back up here. I just I, I think I I think I closed the screen. Is the problem here? And here it is. Yeah. So this is what he said. Um, this is a memorial. Uh, well, I, I guess this isn't a speech. This is his post on Facebook after giving the speech. City Council meeting went as as well as could be expected. The bigots showed up trying to use children as human shields for their bigotry. We're the ones trying to use humans. Okay. Uh, Use children, rather. 
Uh, just like I predicted in my pre-written speech, all talking about strippers and drag bars like that's what's going on. This is a memorial charity event for massacre victims where a fully clothed person is going to read a book about human equality and put on a three or four song pantomime rock show to the kiddos, uh, or so the kiddos can let loose, sing, dance, and enjoy um, being young and alive. The city council opened with a prayer, and good old Bob Thurber had to shove in Jesus Christ's name, we pray, into the beginning of the meeting, just to remind us that we're not welcome here in our own hometown. I pay my property taxes. I'm an atheist. You, sir, are a brainwashed, programmed, indoctrinated, Christo-fascist bigot. Public spaces and council meetings belong to all the residents. Christians, the LGBTQ, and atheists alike deal with it. Hashtag equality rocks. So, Tom, as I said, the reason I wanted to play, uh, read that is to let you uh, respond to it. Because, again, this doesn't sound like somebody who is trying to do an act of charity. He's trying to do something for you know massacre victims, as he said. This is somebody who's trying to poke or provoke, rather, uh, and... Um, and denigrate uh, Christians and people, uh, people of faith, because he is an atheist, and he is, he is uh, I don't know if he's gay or if he's bi or what he is, but he is obviously a massive, massive proponent of the LGBTQ movement. This is about trying to cause trouble and nothing less. So how do you, res- how do you respond to what you think you're, rather, what do you think his real motivations are here, uh, Tom? 100% he is an instigator. Um, he, he kicked off he kicked off the the evening. Uh, we know when the prayer and the pledge was said. Uh, was said, um, wouldn't stand for the pledge. Made a a name mark about you know separation of church and state during the prayer, um, and and that that kind of set the tone for the rest of the evening. So this guy is an instigator. Um, you know his he's he's moved the goalpost on his intent for this show from day one after his talent dropped out after the charity he was supposedly raising money for bailed on him due to his behavior um this this is a say that again show. tom say that again that needs to be underscored the charity the, that he wanted the, to raise money for wants nothing to do with him the charity that he was originally raising money for when this was at the brewing place put a public statement on their facebook page disowning the event and wanted nothing to do with the guy based on his behavior and that, that they that his behavior does not represent their charity. That tells you all you need to know about what's going on here. Um, so it, 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 the, the whole the whole council meeting kind of de-escalated from there, especially when it was literally forty nine people to three, um, and that, and that tells that tells the that, that tells city hall exactly what the, the city of Wadsworth, the county of Medina, and, and and towns like this all over the country they they are they're not willing to tolerate these types of events in our towns. Tom Wyand is our guest. He is the uh, executive director of the Republican Party of Medina County. The event is supposed to happen in Wadsworth on uh, the 11th, so a week from this Saturday. And uh, it's apparently going to be given a permit, uh, perhaps for the park. Um, what what kinds of plans do you understand, if you have that information, um, that the city is going to be able to take to protect uh, citizens, residents, people outside, to protect uh, businesses from any potential conflicts between the people who are going to do this event, protesters of the event, and maybe counter-protesters of the event? Yeah, I, I, and I, I think that's the bigger issue. Um, you know, it, it's, it's now kind of become a, a safety concern for the things that, that we're hearing. And, you know, you hear a lot of stuff through social media and phone calls and texts like, hey, 
I hear so and so is doing this, and Antifa is doing that, and and this the counter group, the counter protester groups coming in. But I, I I've got it for some some pretty reliable sources over the years that you know the counter protest could could be 100, 200, 300 people, um, uh, you know, against the you know 50, 100, 150 people this group's going to get. So you're you're going to throw this potential clash. In a you know in a in the middle of a park, which is in the middle of a residential neighborhood, six blocks from downtown, in in a small town like Wadsworth that doesn't have the state you know the safety forces to contain a potential uh, mob, and, and 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 when you're mixing you know uh, groups like uh, Cleveland Antifa, Columbus Antifa, Black Lives Matters, which supposedly is his uh, security force. On, on their side with, you know, um, angry parents, uh, uh, groups like the Proud Boys and things like that are, that are rumored to be showing up by the, quote, busload. Um, I, I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a witch's brew that, that could explode. And, yeah. and that, that's the part that I'm concerned of. Um, you know, I, I think this guy just wants to make the newspapers and makes the news and, and get his viral videos up online. Yeah, and, oh, yeah, um, he's it, looking it, for it, attention. It, Right. It's, it's not it's not really about the mission. It, it's about attention. He calls himself the rock and roll humanist. And I'm looking at his Facebook page and he's got these goofy little um, uh, things made up. Equality for all united against hate. You know, but then you listen to his speech made at the uh, uh, city council meeting and you listen to the conversations that he's had with Gary Fox. And when you listen to everything that he has said publicly about this, you hear nothing but hate coming from him and this is an intent an intention i think that he has to um to bring chaos and to bring some sort of a mob or or a volatile clash of some sort between his group and other groups and uh i think it's very dangerous and i'm going to advise not that people care give a rip what i say in the medina city council or the mayor's office or the police or anywhere else or excuse me wadsworth uh but uh to all of those individuals do not grant this permit this guy is not raising money for charity this guy is trying to start a war a mob type of violent clash in the middle of your park or in the middle of your town square, or in the middle of whatever area it is that you give him the green light to be in. If you take a look at what he has written and what he is saying, um, he is uh, he is planning something big, even though he has no reach whatsoever. By the way, literally one day ago, Tom, Aaron posted uh, on his Facebook page, just here to ask you all a little favor. Would you please share the event page for me and help boost the signal, please? Thank you in advance. Yep. Much love. And the reason why is because he has... Literally five people who have responded to that. Exactly, so and I, we, we were looking at the same post, and yeah. I think the point that I think one point that's being, you know, overlooked here is is Wadsworth. Wadsworth is a great town, just like you know, hundreds of small towns across our state or across our country. But I think, uh, you know, admittedly, they're, they're naive to, you know, they're, they're so focused on the day to day stuff in their town that they're kind of naive to the big picture mm-hmm. and the agenda of what this this guy is trying to do. And you know, it's it's a safety issue, it's it's a child endangering issue, and you know, it's 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 not an emotional issue based on, you know, the very very small minority of public opinion um uh, on, you know, uh inclusion. It's not about inclusion, it's about indoctrination, it's about grooming, and I think more importantly, and now it's about public safety, and I I really hope that that those uh those people um, that are concerned about this, you know, get a hold of your councilman, get a hold of city hall and say, Hey, you know, w- what's happening here? Why is this even being considered? 
give right. us give us some reasons. So last last point on this, Tom, because I want to ask you about one other thing real quick. Last point on this. I think you'll join me in uh, offering this advice to people. Don't go. Don't go down. You know, I, I said at the beginning, boy, I wish I wasn't doing the BABL thing because I'd like to go down and watch it. But that's just the voyeur in me that people like to watch train wrecks and they like to watch, you know, these types of things play out. Um, resist that urge. Do not go down there and give any air to this event. Do not give any more, uh, attention to it. Uh, let him stand there with his five or six followers who want to, uh, who want to be a part of this and whatever strange parents who are abusing their children by bringing them to this. And I do believe that to be psychological child abuse. Um, and that do come down don't 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 give it your time and your attention or any any breath uh don't let it don't let it breathe don't let it live just let it fade out that's what i hope happens um I, and and tom will we'll, we'll, i agree i agree 100 percent. I, I hope i hope wazworth has called all hands on deck for their police force because so that when they when these parents are breaking obscenity laws they they have all all cruisers on deck to throw these parents in the back of them um, that that's what I really hope happens. So you I know, like that. you and I agree on that point. I like that. Last thing, uh, real quick, uh, Executive Director of the Republican Party, Medina County. I'm going to give you two names, and I'm going to give you about a minute to tell me about these two names and what you would like people to do. The first name is Alex Triantafilu, and the second name is Ben Carson. Perfect. Um, today's the last day. We we have a, a unique opportunity. We're welcoming the new uh, chairman of the Ohio Republican Party. Um, uh, next week uh, for, for a reception along with every um, county party chairman in Northeast Ohio um, at, the, at the Blue Heron in Medina um, on March 8th. That's a, that's a, uh, a reception uh, for the new state chairman. Um, those tickets, medinagop.org. Uh, there's about 30 left, and the last day to get those is today. Um, Bigger than that, um, a month following, April 8th, we are bringing, uh, for a very, very rare appearance, uh, Dr. Ben Carson, the former HUD secretary, presidential candidate, in for our 2023 Lincoln Day dinner. Uh, we have uh, three different ticket levels for that. Uh, that, again, is on April 8th at the Galaxy uh, in Wadsworth. Um, tickets for that, medinagop.org. Uh, that's going to be a, a huge night. Um, we're going to have some 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 custom gun auctions. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of fun activity going on. And of course, um, I don't think Dr. Carson's been been around here since the six the 2016 cycle. He just doesn't do events like this. Um, he's usually doing uh, uh, commencement addresses at, at universities uh, right. for all the intellectuals. So to so to get him out for a Lincoln Day dinner uh, in Medina County is a huge is a huge get. And uh, we hope you go to medinagop.org and get some tickets today for that. Yeah, that is uh, that. You're exactly right. Dr. Carson is very, very limited in his public appearances, and to get him to come to this uh, Lincoln Day dinner is a huge, huge get. And I think it's something everybody wants to be a part of. So the tickets are available. MedinaCountyGOP.org. Medina GOP. Sorry, I threw the county in there. My bad. Medina GOP.org. Get your tickets now. This is going to sell out. Do not wait. You want to hear Dr. Carson. I've heard him in person. Uh, he is a phenomenal presenter. You're going to really enjoy him. Uh, and that's Medina GOP.org for that very important event. Tom Wyan, thank you so much, my friend. I'll talk to you again. Bob, keep up the fight. We'll talk to you soon. You got it. 1058. We'll be back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. You and I know 
And do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. I get inspired every time I hear that at the top of our third hour. It is uh, Thursday. It's nine minutes after 11 o'clock. It is the second morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2023. And I got inspired when I heard this from Deion Sanders, too. All right, we're just having all kinds of gremlins today. I don't know why. Uh, glitchy, glitchy, glitchy. It's just the way it is sometimes. I'll give it one more shot here. Dion, you got something for me? Come on. Well, I'm not lost for words. I'm just trying to seize the moment. Wow. Don't you ever tell me what God ain't. Don't you ever tell me his limits. Don't you ever tell me what you're up against or what you can't do. And all the persons in the world, God chose me. For that, I thank you. For that, I love him. For that, I magnify him. For that, I glorify him. For that, I praise him. For that, I owe him. Each and every day, I'm trying to please him. That was from December 4th, the uh, day that uh, Deion Sanders was named and announced and introduced at a press conference at the University of Colorado as their new head football coach. Why am I bringing this up on March 3rd, or 2nd rather? Because the Freedom From Religion Foundation and another atheist group are writing letters to the University of Colorado demanding that their coach stop playing pastor and that he stopped proselytizing and trying to coerce his players into praying along with him. He needs to keep his religion to himself. It's a battle. It's a big issue. And uh, we're going to talk about it. Uh, let's welcome our regular Thursday comment, or excuse me, our regular Wednesday commentator here with us on a Thursday because we were out yesterday, or at least I was. And thanks once again, Rob Walgate, for an outstanding job of hosting the show for me. But uh, every Wednesday at 1110, we talk to Jack Windsor. Now he joins us on this Thursday. Jack, thank you very much for joining us, the founder and editor-in-chief of the Ohio Press Network, also our Statehouse correspondent. Good to have you back, my friend. How are you? Bob, I'm super fantastic. I'm on the road today. Hopefully there aren't any gremlins in my phone and my signal is strong. Uh, thanks for choosing me. Great to be back with you and the listeners. I hope there's no gremlins in the engine too. Let's uh, let's make that safe. <laughs> um, Amen. Jack, Jack, I wanted to play that before you came on because you, like me, have a football background, uh, and um, you know, and you are also a person of faith. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. I know both of those things about you are are both very very strong in you. What is your reaction? 
to the movement. You know, one would have thought that the Supreme Court decision in the Washington versus Coach Kennedy case that was decided last year, which said Coach Kenny, who was terminated for kneeling in prayer with his team after games to thank God for keeping everybody healthy and so forth, uh, that he did have a right to do that. Um, one would think that they would stop this stuff, trying to stop prayer from being involved in sports and particularly in football. So how do you react to what you, uh, you know, not only Dion, what, what I just shared, he is obviously a very, very, you know, man of deep faith and, and love of the Lord, uh, but those who are trying to silence him. Well, I, first of all, it's disgusting. It's hypocritical, but it's the world we live in. And frankly, it's the world we've lived in for a long time. I mean, you're asking my opinion, so I'll give it to you. Uh, the unrighteous hate righteousness. Evil hates God. So are we surprised? I mean, if Deion Sanders had put on a banana hammock and danced on a stripper pole, he would have been praised and probably been the Time Magazine Man of the Year. Uh, but instead, he talks about in awe uh, his faith in God and his winning the position at Colorado. And we're supposed to think that he's, um, you know, First of all, infringing on some constitutional right, it's been made very clear. He's not trying to establish a religion, uh, you know, and, and frankly, what they're doing is, is they're prohibiting and they're trying to intimidate him from his worship, his way of living. It's disgusting, man. Uh, I'm sick of it. I'm absolutely sick of it. If it, look, we, we kneel and bow and pray at the altar of wokeism every single day and all the vile things that the unrighteous love, and that's okay. But here's a man, a black man nonetheless, not that I want to play identity politics, but a black man nonetheless who loves God, who loves the Lord, and is paying homage to an opportunity that he earned. It is absolutely repulsive and disgusting. And at some point, I hope we go as a culture, where's the line? Where's the line beyond which this is just absolute asinine insanity? I'm sick of it, man. I'm just sick of it. That is a great response. And um, just to dovetail off of it for a second, um, you know, I think if he had have taken that podium or that dais and, and spoken on the day of that introduction about how he believes so much in inclusivity that he's going to invite trans players to join his football team and he wants to make sure that a certain percentage of his team reflects that of the population if he wanted to make sure that everybody knows that his team is going to be openly inclusive of virtually every marginalized group and that black lives matter was going to be a core tenet of his uh his his team his staff his vision uh everything that they do as a program i'm wondering if anybody on this uh, any of these leftist organizations would have complained and told him to shut up uh, and told him to keep his proselytizing of his woke culture to himself. And by the way, I want everybody to know I made all of that up. Deion Sanders Sanders has never said a word about anything of the sort. But if he had gone that way, do you think there would have been any complaints like there were when he said, I love God and thank you, God, and I owe him for giving me this opportunity? Absolutely not, because we live in a world that is upside down where good is called evil and evil is called good, he would have been celebrated and there wouldn't have been a peep from anyone. And frankly, then what would have happened if anyone on the right, and let's be clear, the marginalized group is uh, anyone who has Judeo-Christian values and tends to identify as somebody that's a Republican. Uh, find a more marginalized group in the country. But I digress. Look, had he done what you said, uh, he would have been celebrated. And if anyone 
on the right. Any Judeo-Christian believing person would have stepped forward and said, hey, I'm sick of this. Then, you know, they would have said, stop fighting the culture wars. Stop fighting yep. the culture wars. I mean, it's just, it's it's this circular, inconsistent, um, hypocritical argument every stinking time, man. And it just gets old. Jack Windsor is the editor-in-chief and the founder of the Ohio Press Network. Jack, uh, four days ago, he's also my co-host on the uh, uh, the uh, uh, Talking Smack with Bob and Jack podcast. And uh, we've been doing this for a few months now, and uh, we feel like it's very, very valuable. Uh, we're bringing a, very, a lot of very important information, some big-name guests, and we're bringing some, some, some topics and some opinions and some thoughts to the podcast world that um, we think people are going to enjoy. But four days ago, we did our latest episode, and I went off the rails a little bit. I went on about a five-minute rant over a story that you told that is very personal to you because of where your daughter goes to school. So let's talk about speaking of wokeness and speaking of indoctrination and some of the things that we are mentioning here and how this is being pushed in schools all throughout the state of Ohio. We're going to use Olin Tangy, though, as an example here. Tell people what you have and that'll probably set me off again. Uh, but that's what that's what that's what led me into my rant because, and I know you wanted to rant as well because this is simply repugnant. But but tell us what's going on. Well, we peeled the curtain back on Olin Tangi as part of a larger report we did in October of last year, where we asked the question: Are Ohio schools being transparent with taxpayers and parents about going down in the school, particularly? with their LGBTQ activism, the conversations that they're having with kids, the social transitioning that uh, parents and students allege is going on. And we started to discover that there's a lot going on behind the scenes. There's stuff that goes on in schools that isn't necessarily reflected in school policies that you can find online. But when you start asking questions, the common common response, this isn't verbatim, but, you know, we looked at, like, Brunswick, we looked at Hilliard, we looked at Olentangy, um, and we looked at a couple other schools. The common theme is, well, we handle that on a case-by-case basis. Well, that would be interesting if uh, the way that it was handled was different, but there seemed to be consistency in how it's handled, and it's handled in, look, if, if, if a student wants to socially transition at school, um, we're going to allow that to happen. And if we think the parents don't like it, we're going to keep it from the parents. So what we discovered back then is that there was a biological boy in a girl's restroom. Two girls went in and went home and told mom. Mom called the school. Uh, we obtained an email uh, in the middle of all those discussions that a principal wrote, uh, hey, the policy is what it's been for years, and that's if a student identifies as something then they can use the restroom that they identify with, that the student identifies with. Well, that was that was news to parents. So they started asking more questions, a long way around the barn to get here. Uh, one of the questions they asked was, hey, if I have a religious aversion to this, if if I and my student do not believe that, that a biological boy should use a girl's restroom, are you going to honor that? And uh, are, are you going to alienate or, you know, degrade my student who doesn't buy into this LGBTQ activism? Well, we obtained an email from uh, the attorney that represents Olentangy Local School District. We obtained it this week. And essentially what it says is this. Your student can have his or her religious beliefs, but this catch-all policy, this anti-harassment policy that we have, that takes precedent. So if you have a problem with a biological boy using a girl's restroom or changing space, tough. Uh, the policy trumps that. And oh, by the way, uh, that's one thing. And the second thing is, if your typical student doesn't want to call Johnny Joan 
then Johnny's not the problem. The typical student who is relying on science and their faith is the problem. And we would view that as discrimination. Jack, um, this is where I went off uh, on our podcast when we were talking about this, because there are going to be children who are discriminated against, and it's not the LGBTQ children. It's not the trans children or the fake trans children or the social... Uh, socially uh, peer pressured children uh, who are who are wanting to say there's something else and use these other facilities. It's the ones who refuse to to go along with this, and it's the one who refuse to call them the, by by different names or or refer to them by biological uh, sex that they are not, or change pronouns and all of the things you just talked about. I mean, those are the kids who are being discriminated against here, and I get so angry, and that's why I went off at the the idea that educators would make the norm. Be the um, what, what? What would be the opposite of the norm? The exceptions that the normalcy of all of the kids who are not trans—they all have to succumb and bend at the knee and change everything about what they say and how they do it for the uh, uh, the benefit of the very, very relative few who are participating in these weird little games, or who might be one of the very, very, very low, less than one percent of the population who suffers from. Actual psychological gender dysphoria. Most of these kids are not. Mo- I mean, like I said, the overwhelming number of them are, are, are uh, uh, you know, just going along with whatever it is the trend is and what they're being influenced to do by a variety of sources. But, Jack, that's the frustrating part to me, is the kids who get discriminated against are the kids who just want to be kids and who want to be normal and who want to, uh, you know, call boys boys and girls girls and not be introduced to sexual uh, sexualized materials or, or sex education or sex identification either. I mean, that's the, the kids who suffer the kids like your daughter and the ones who are going to have to uh, uh, put up with this nonsense knowing that if they complain in just the least little bit they're the ones who are going to be made, made out to be the bad guys yeah they are and let's call it what it is it is uh, emotional and psychological abuse it absolutely is and this is the line that i think parents need to be very familiar with and then decide what you're going to do in the state of ohio you have uh, local control so the, the people who are on your school board uh, generally hire the superintendent and really are supposed to keep a watchful eye on the goings-on in the, in the school district. Well, parents need to wake up because this is going on. And, you know, I can talk to my daughter and say, hey, if a student comes to you tomorrow and says that she's a unicorn, what are you going to do? <laughs> and she would look at me and say, I would say, uh, no, that's your issue. I'm not going to go along with it. Well, what if you got in trouble for that? Then all of a sudden, you know what happens to the typical kid? The typical kid starts to feel repressed, starts to feel bullied, starts to feel psychologically and emotionally manipulated. Um, so especially if doing, any of, hey, Jack, especially if any, yeah. any of the other kids in her class or in the school or her friends go along with and say, okay, you're a unicorn, and I'll call you by your unicorn name and your unicorn pronouns, she then becomes ostracized she is being bullied whether they actually call her names or not if she refuses to go along with the crowd the peer pressure that is saying hey respect her pronouns respect her identity as a unicorn uh or we're not gonna you know we're not gonna talk to you we're gonna make fun of you and so on and so forth she's she's done that's why i went off she would be the one discriminated against here yes she would be and by the way uh, you know, why aren't we focusing on addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, uh, writing, 
reading, biology, you know, all of the sciences. Uh, instead, we're spending a lot of time and energy and effort on these things, and it's disturbing to me. I don't think that we have a real clear understanding about how this will play out long term. I can tell you it's not going to be good because, you know, God, and here I'm going to play Deion Sanders here, you know, God, God made us a certain way, number one. And number two, uh, if you read scripture at all, you know, he puts on our heart what's right and wrong. You know, we get to choose whether we ignore that or whether we follow it. And the problem with sin is when you do it long enough, you, you, your heart becomes callous and it's harder for you to figure out what's true. But the bottom line is when you have a kid who trusts you, when you have a kid who is naive and innocent, and that kid knows in their heart and in their gut that right is right and wrong is wrong, and you start taking that away from them, I can't think of anything more abusive and disgusting than that, and that's what's going on. Jack, that is so very well said. I'm glad we spent all of this time on this. We're out of time now. I don't have a chance to get into any of the state house issues, which we'll do next week, because uh, this is going to continue for a while, I think. <laughs> the state house, yeah. state house issues, the division in that uh, Republican caucus, and then the impact of the Democrats is uh, really starting to be felt right now. But we'll talk about that next week. I'm glad we talked about what we did here, because this is so incredibly important. And you know what I want to invite people to do, too? You know, we're focusing on Olentangy, and as you said, that was a part last October of just, you know, the broader picture in the state. But I would like for any parents listening or grandparents listening, if you know of these types of policies, like Jack Red, um, and what is being done to kids going on in your kids' or your grandkids' schools, uh, reach out to Jack Windsor. Um, he does incredible, he and his team, incredible investigative reporting on this, and uh, let him know, let me know, so that we can expose this in every school where kids are being subjected to uh, this kind of treatment. Uh, and you can find Jack, right, Jack, at the website at theohiopressnetwork.com? Theohiopressnetwork.com and jack.windsor at theohiopressnetwork.com is my email, uh, and I do my best to respond very timely there. I know you do. Uh, so reach out to Jack. Reach out to me. You know how to get me. Call me any day with this stuff, and we'll uh, we'll expose this as much as we can in the hope of making a change. Jack Windsor, great stuff, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. I'll talk to you later, Bob. Thank you. 1126, right back. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Floor King, my friend Karam. Sometimes, sometimes we call him Keanu. Uh, But the Floor King and Mark King, that's my pair of kings. That's pretty damn good poker hand to go into into a game with. You got pocket kings. You're doing well. They bring they bring you and brought me the opportunity for this third hour. Thank you for your uh, partnership, for your friendship, your support, and your loyalty. Uh, I hope everybody listening makes sure to uh, thank them as well by looking them up when they are in the market for those various things. Uh, look them up and uh, and just know that I wouldn't be partnering with them if I didn't believe in them either. Um, Okay, two one six nine zero one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Obviously, we didn't have a ton of time for calls today, but we can squeeze a couple in now if you want to make them. Um, but really great interviews with uh, Tom Wy- Dr. Everett Piper, Tom Wyand, and then uh, Jack Windsor. And uh, if you want to follow up on any of those, you can do so. Navy man Norm in Strongsville wants to talk about Merrick Garland. We started on him just a little bit today. We have a lot more to do. By the way, before I get to Navy man Norm, I will have a lot more on Merrick Garland and his performance in front of conservative GOP senators who were licking their chops to talk to one of the most 
politicized, maybe the most politicized and corrupt uh, attorney general presiding over the DOJ in American history. I'll be have a lot more of that this afternoon. I'm in for Dr. G from 3 until 6, today and tomorrow. So um, there's still plenty of time to talk about some of these very important things with me coming up this afternoon. But Navy man Norm is in now, and so away we go. Hey, Norm, good morning. The prime example of the lack of truth, Merrick Garland and who was being savaged by Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz yesterday about the Mark Hawk incident where the FBI and 25 of their agents with long guns came in and pointed him at the family, at the wife, at the kids. And he said he had, he didn't, uh, he didn't know anything about that. And then he contradicts himself when they said, well, here's a photo. Here's the photo of this. Uh, well, that's not the story that I got from the FBI agents that were there. Well, if you didn't know about it, how did you get the story from the FBI agents that were there? And then he denied about uh, uh, having it out against Catholics, against Christians, and so forth. Everything he said, Bob, was a total contradiction. And he refused to, he refused to say, did they or didn't they come in there with long guns? And what are you having your agents do? They offered to surrender Mark Houck months before. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't answer. And then they said, Holly, you're the boss. You're the attorney general. Well, well, that's not my job. What do you mean it's not your job? Bob, it's it's a clown circus from the get-go. But you know what? I thought Satan was the father of all lies. I was wrong. This Biden regime... Let me let me hear one before you wrap your thoughts there, uh, Navy Man Norm. One other thing that he said yesterday in the conversation with Mike Lee, and I don't think you hit this part. If you did, I missed it. Um, Mike Lee asked him, "Why have you prosecuted so many peaceful pro-life protesters? Not just Mark Hawk, but why have you prosecuted so many peaceful pro-life protesters?" And you have prosecuted none of the fire those firebombing pregnancy centers. And um, and churches, and do you remember? Did you hear what his response to that one was, Norm? Yes. For those who didn't, yes. for those who didn't, he said, "Well, the peaceful pro-life protesters uh, who are blocking, and they're not blocking access to the abortion clinics. They stand off to the side and pray. They're not blocking yes. anybody. But 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 the way that he described it, he said those ones who were blocking the the abortion centers are doing it during the day, and so you know we have clear pictures of them. And the ones that are committing the acts against the pregnancy centers are doing it at night. That was the answer." <laughs> That was the answer given by the Attorney General, the leader of the Department of Justice, that if you commit crimes at night, we can't find you. We don't know who you are because we don't have pictures of you in broad daylight. So so there you go. Message to the criminal underworld all over this country. Just do it at night, and the DOJ and the, uh, the federal law enforcement agencies will never be able to find you. That's what this guy freaking said yesterday out loud to uh, Senator Lee. Yeah, we can't catch criminals at night. You know, we nope. You know, we don't have we don't have night vision. We don't have cameras. We don't have uh, agents that can stake out uh, target areas. No, 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 none of that. I mean, Bob, <clears throat> it's a farce. It's a farce. And then, you know what? It, it just makes me want to throw up when I see that these are the people that are in the head law enforcement of the United States. It's just unbelievable. Hey, yeah. keep up the great work. Great Thank show you, today. God bless. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. God bless you too. I, I want to um, let me emphasize this because it's that it's that insane. Um, 
I want to play this. Uh, let's see if our gremlins are, are in the system still or if we can actually make one go off without a hitch here. Here we go. In 2022 and for the first couple of months of 2023, DOJ has announced charges against 34 individuals for blocking access to or vandalizing abortion clinics. And there have been over 81 reported attacks on pregnancy centers, 130 attacks on Catholic churches since the leak of the Dobbs decision, and only two individuals have been charged. So how do you explain this disparity uh, by reference to anything other than politicization of what's happening there? The FACE Act applies equally to uh, efforts to um, uh, damage, uh, blockade uh, um, 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 clinics, whether a pregnant uh, uh, resource, uh, whether they are a pregnancy resource center uh, or whether they are an abortion center. It applies equally in both cases, and we apply the law equally. Um, I will say you are quite right. There are many more prosecutions with respect uh, to the um, um, blocking of the uh, um, of the abortion centers, but that is generally because they are, those actions are taken in, uh, with photography at the time, um, uh, during the daylight, and uh, seeing the person who did it is uh, quite easy. Um, the, those who are attacking the pregnancy resources centers, uh, which is a horrid thing to do, are doing this at night um, in the dark. We have put full resources on this. Did, can you believe it? The pro-lifers who are blocking the abortion clinics are doing it during the day. And we can see who they are. By the way, they're not blocking. And even if they were, they're not vandalizing. They're not spray painting. They're not smashing. They're not firebombing. They're just praying. And it's easy to see those prayer warriors standing outside the abortion clinics, quote-unquote blocking, but not really. And so we can arrest them and prosecute them easily. But the ones who are firebombing the, abor- the uh, uh, pregnancy resource centers and the Catholic churches that oppose abortion, the ones that are doing that, well, they're doing it at night, so we don't know who they are. This man is claiming that the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, that federal law enforcement can't collude and collaborate with local law enforcement to find out who is, you know, do a little bit of investigating to find out who is firebombing and vandalizing churches and and pregnancy centers because it happened at night. We're not capable. I mean, if that was true, then every crime that anybody ever committed would have to be committed at night because the Department of Justice is going to say, well, shoot, they did it when it was dark. Now we don't know who they are. We can't do anything. He said this to a senator. Oh, thank goodness we're done. I will probably be more uh, um, verbose about this situation this afternoon between 3 and 6. I'll be sitting in for Dr. G. Sebastian Gorka on America First. Make sure you tune in for that. And, of course, we're back tomorrow at our regular time. We'll see you then. Be well, be safe, stay free. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.